Welcome to Devotional. This is lesson number 5 for Wednesday, October 17th. Yes, I love this lesson more and more. It's gotten so meaty. At first glance, I thought, man, this is going to be a hard lesson to draw things out. But the more I studied it, wow. And yesterday with that mission story of Amina, uh, you know, don't be, don't break that chain. Don't be the, 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 where the prayer of Jesus stops. I love it. So today, we're going to be talking about a sticky subject, unity amongst Christians. Not just Seventh-day Adventists, not just within our, our you know, church denomination but how are we to relate to other christians obviously jesus did not pray just for seventh-day adventists but also not just for methodists or baptists or catholics he prayed for the entirety of anyone that professes and claims and calls upon the name of jesus as lord and savior he prayed that we would be one um, i shared with my church uh, many actually uh, my first year here at oakwood a story that i had an encounter that i had with a jesuit priest in south dakota i was a massage therapist and um, his name is Father Glenn Welsh, a uh, great guy. And uh, he came obviously to this lifestyle center that I worked at as a massage therapist. And he needed some help with some health needs. And so uh, he was going to be there, I believe, for just a week. And every morning we started with a walk. Uh, it was supposed to be a one mile walk right before breakfast. And him and I gravitated towards each other. Um, he began to share things with me. And in another occasion, I'll share with you the entirety of that experience. All I want to highlight is that. Throughout the dialogue, Glenn mentioned that one of the biggest agendas that the Roman Catholic Church has is to bring all the, not just Christian denominations, but all the world religions, period, under one umbrella, one umbrella of authority. And I looked at him and I said, Father Glenn, that's exactly our mission too. That's amazing. What a coincidence. But the umbrella of, of unity, the fulcrum where we all trying to come in under, the, the focus of unity is very different from the Roman Catholic Church. Um, as a Seventh-day Adventist, I, I'm convicted and I, and I see this, how we have the scriptures at the center of everything we do. And of course, some people will say, well, we have Jesus. Well, you cannot have Jesus without the scriptures. You need the, the Jesus in the scriptures, from the scriptures to have the, the legitimate, authentic, real Jesus, the biblical Jesus, the prophetic Christ. So the centrality has to be the Bible. And the question talks about ecumenism. And if you're not familiar with ecumenism, it's, it's a movement in which a Christian churches try to say, let's forget about what divides us and focus on what unites us. You know, there's more things that unite us than those that separate us, in theory, sometimes. But a, it's, it's, I mean, admirable. And it's, it's uh, I would not say that, you know, it is evil. But I also would say that, well, we are drawing and coming together to what? What is the unity? What is the focus? Like I said earlier, it's easy to say, let's make Jesus the center. Um, which one? Jesus says that there will be many false Christs. And in the, the blocks the church where my churches are at, there's plenty of other churches that claim to be preaching the truth. They claim to be preaching the authentic biblical truth. And that's, that's what I think is a deterrent for people looking at Christianity when we hear those uh, slogans that are trying to make our church sound legitimate. I think they're harmful. Um, what I think, what I believe personally, is um, a very practical and useful thing for relating with my Methodist brothers and sisters and Catholics and Pentecostals. And I told you, my, half my family from my dad's side is Pentecostal, half my, the other half of my family from my mom's side, they're all Catholics. 
So I had grown up comfortable with other denominations because it was in my family. But for some of us, that may not be the case. Maybe all you know is Seventh-day Adventist. Um, and it's, not, it's neither here nor there. I don't think that there's an advantage or disadvantage. If we, I think, come to the correct conclusion as to how to relate to other Christians, I'm going to mention the two wrong ones, which is um, arrogance or ashamed. I think those two are, are the wrong ways to relate to other, you know, to Methodists and Catholics, etc., Seventh-day Adventists. And arrogant, by, by that I mean condescending. Like, you know, we know more, we understand better. Um, we forget that we, much of what we have inherited, we've inherited from the Methodists and from the previous, you know, the Anabaptists and the rest of the, the Protestant heritage. We didn't just pop out of the vacuum. Um, so some of the Adventists, we still like camp meeting. That's a Methodist uh, a practice that we've inherited from them. So arrogance and condescending attitudes, I think, is the wrong one. Actually, for me, well, some of the Adventists that express that or convey that arrogance or condescending, I believe that they're just insecure because they don't really understand what they believe. They definitely don't understand what other denominations believe, and they haven't invested in that. They don't care. Like I mentioned yesterday, right, this unity and throughout the lessons, the, the highlight of the lesson of unity hinges upon the word friend. And if I cannot be a friend with a Methodist Christian brother, or a, it's because I don't understand them. But if I want to be their friends, I will read literature. I will find out what's the, the, the just of their theology, their belief system, and be respectful of that. But there's, there's I think, a, a fundamental essence element of friendship which is understanding each other knowing each other knowing where the other person is coming from learning their language learning learning the, the expressions because we certainly have our adventist language as well so condescending arrogance some of the adventists that is a horrible way to try to ex experience unity with the rest of the other denominations or the rest of the brothers and sisters that belong to other denominations the other um opposed end of the spectrum is the ashamed some of the adventists the, the ashamed of course because oh we're so awkward oh we're so weird um i trust me all of us are weird <laughs> none of us are cool you know and uh, I, th I think for, for, for why are you ashamed of? I think it's the same issue, right? The, the arrogance are insecure. The ashamed are insecure. And I think part of that is we don't really know what we believe. We know fragments. We know like some of the dietary highlights. And we know some of the eschatology. And when you isolate those things, yeah, it sounds disparate. It sounds uh, weird. It sounds outlandish, um, outdated. So I can understand why some would feel embarrassed but I can, I can assure you that if you're in that camp of the embarrassed or the ashamed, number one, you're not alone. I already told you that I used to belong to that camp as well. What cured it was not becoming arrogant or condescending. What cured it was understanding. What cured it was, um, actually, I'm going to read it to you. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Now these, speaking about the Christians in Berea, the believers in, the, in a city called Berea, so they were called the Bereans. In Acts 17.11, read, Now these, the Bereans, were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness or rejoicing, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Just want to highlight the fact that they are examining the scriptures daily. 
and they're doing this examination is you know implies strongly the study deep study deep examination not superficial reading not reading a study guide and thinking you got it because this evangelist or this pastor explains it in a pamphlet no 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 the Bereans did not study amazing facts or it is written they studied the scriptures and by no means am I saying that those ministries are not useful I use their study guides but not for myself I've studied those when I started asking questions, when I began the journey, and they're great introductions, but they themselves will tell you this is the tip of the iceberg. This is just like the rudimentary basics one plus one, the spiritual teachings from the scriptures. And it's very broad and is is comprehensive, but it's not exhaustive. And there's way more. There's way more things about the Sabbath that it is written or voice of prophecy or any of these ministries could ever do. Even me as a pastor, I look at, you know, I have 52 Sabbaths out of the year to preach. And out of those, you know, you have Pathfinders and um, Christmas and all these other elements, you know, and, and youth Sabbaths and good things. You know, Pathfinders, I'm happy to have all the, and to have guest speakers. And then I go on vacation. So all in all, I, have, I may have about 40 sermons per year. What can I cover in just 40 sermons in an entire year? So even I am limited, and it should be that way. You have the scriptures in front of you, and the best way to relate to other Christians is to understand what they believe, but I think even more importantly is to understand what you believe. And many of our Adventists, many of our Christians, uh, brothers and sisters within the Seventh-day Adventist Church have very vague ideas what they believe in. And so they fall under the condescending, arrogant, because that's that's a shield. It protects my insecurities. Or I go to the camps of, you know, I'm done with those shields and being arrogant and condescending. It's hard to make friends that way. I want to be nice. and But that camp is ashamed. When I get asked questions, it's like, oh, no, no, some of us believe that way. No, 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 the, the very strict ones, they, some of them do those kind of weird things, but, but I'm cool. I'm cool. Don't think I'm weird, please. Those are insecurities that do not fit the, I, the image of Jesus. Peter was ashamed of Jesus, but not after the cross. After the cross, Peter could say, you judge as to what is better to obey God or man. I already made up my mind. I'm going to obey God. And I'm going to be God in the sense of I'm going to follow what it is written. And so as Seventh the Adventists, we have a great opportunity. I believe that there are many in a personal relationship level. Once you become friends, once you invite for a birthday party, once you go to their birthday party, once you even accept a visit to a concert or whatever, it gives the opportunity to say things like, how do you guys understand this? Or how do you guys understand that? And how have you come to to the conclusions from the Bible about that? Because that is friendly and that is sincere. I mean, yeah, there are things that I believe and I've come to them from a different way, from the scriptures. God has given me a different path to come to the same conclusions. So if someone asks me about sanctuary, about Sabbath or death, my approach may be very different than from Pastor Bachelors or or Pastor Ron Kelly or Pastor uh, Lichtenwalter or the many hundreds and thousands of pastors that exist on planet earth how do you what do you believe in do you know what you believe in do you know if if you were in a deserted island with someone else and all you had was your bible how much of what you claim to believe could you explain to that person from the scriptures and if right now today you would say uh not much do you want to change i hope so i'm praying for you 
I'm praying that you would because staying that way will lead you into the arrogant um, condescending camp or the ashamed embarrassed camp and I don't think that it's a nice way to live a Christian life Jesus doesn't want you to live like that it's not a very pleasant experience Jesus has a better path and we studied about it yesterday choose to be the fulfillment of Jesus's prayer Jesus prayed that for individuals in 2018 that they would come to believe in him as Lord and Savior because of their word and their word can be your words we read about this lady named Amina she was in prison she couldn't wait to go out there and share with her friends. You're not in prison. What are you waiting for?